One Man, One Mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to School of the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm going to jump in today and continue on the theme that uh, the Lord kind of settled on over the last few weeks um, when I was in Muskoka, Canada, and I uh, was talking about uh, the spirit of knowledge, which is actually, if you if you study the Hebrew, it's actually the spirit of intimacy. And man, the Lord just settled on that, and uh, we just had an amazing time at Life Church in Muskoka, and uh, we just saw some really supernatural things where the Lord just broke down a lot of walls, penetrated a lot of um, what the leadership group called impenetrable things, and uh, just, man, just a lot of like people connecting deeply with the Holy Spirit in ways that they hadn't seen before and so i just i want to spend some time um talking through um the importance of intimacy uh being a main element in the church right um if a church can't get pregnant the church can't reproduce pregnancy is required in the kingdom there's no such thing as uh, a church that just has 40 people and you sit there for the rest of your life and you don't reproduce. Okay, that's not that's not reflective of Christ, right? Uh, the command of Christ was go uh, into the world and preach the gospel, make disciples of all men. These signs will follow those that believe. Cast out devils, heal the sick, take up serpents, lay hands on, on the sick, see them recover, and you'll pray in tongues. And and you are to see the reproduction in the church, right? On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, it took 120 believers. Um, got them baptized in the Holy Ghost, they prayed in the Holy Spirit, they prophesied, and they became intoxicated with heaven, right? They came out on the street. Peter had to explain that they're not drunk as you suppose. They literally are intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. And I want to implore on you guys that um, being intoxicated is not an optional thing. It's actually you are so in, in the presence of the Lord that you go and impregnate the world, right? Because because on the day of Pentecost, 120 in one day went to up to 3,000. Okay, and that should be a that should be a reflection of your life that you're so intoxicated with the Holy Spirit that you are um, releasing the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the only thing that has the ability to impregnate the world. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important, right? Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and we'll jump into that here more in a minute. But if you're just in a philosophical, religious mindset, you'll never reproduce. You'll justify why you never got anybody saved, why you never cast the devil on anybody, why you never got anybody healed, why you never demonstrated the power of the Holy Spirit, because it cannot be faked, right? You cannot have 
um, a relationship in the Holy Spirit and be powerless and not reproduce. It's actually two extremely different dynamics. You're either in love reproducing in the kingdom because you can't keep your mouth shut and you're literally giving dreams and visions to people to impregnate the world or you've justified yourself in dead powerless religion and you're sitting in a pew for a long long time never reproducing because you've surrounded yourself with a bunch of people that also have justified never reproducing okay and the reality is this that's a hard hard environment that if you're sitting in a religious uh, mindset same people same pew same situation um, for for years well, guess what? <clears throat> that's not that's not reproduction, okay? Reproduction is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is with you, you will be impregnating the world with the presence of the Lord, with the seed of Christ, right? And so Paul demonstrates that even the hardest of hearts, the greatest philosophers in the world can be impregnated by the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are actually the voice of, of, of Christ, right? It is it is the seed that is planted into the hearts of men that is the only thing that reproduces in the kingdom. Okay, the gifts the gifts of the Spirit are actually re, a reflection of your intimacy with the Holy Spirit. So, if you are intimate with the Holy Spirit, you are going to have dreams and visions. You are going to um, have um, a relationship where the Lord is literally planting seed in you, and because He's planting seed in you, and you know the Holy Spirit so profoundly that you carry the Holy Spirit and plant those seeds in the people around you. All right? So, Paul demonstrates that even the hardest of hearts can be penetrated and impregnated with the Holy Spirit. Okay? When, when Paul goes in... Excuse me, when Paul goes into Greece and he realizes that the the Greeks are, you know, the greatest philosophers in the world um, and they will take his religion and all, basically argue back with, with great deep questions, he realizes in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse uh, 1 through 6, he stops and basically says, what the heck am I doing? What the heck am I doing? Why am I playing their game? Why am I arguing, um, you know, religious positions um, or philosophical positions when I know the Holy Spirit? And Paul, Paul, uh, Paul says, he says, For I did not come with wise words of wisdom of men, but I came in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. What's he saying? He's saying that rather than argue and default back to a worldly um, man-level wisdom and try to debate, and w which ends up being the best debater, the best articulator, the best person that can present themselves, he said, he said what the heck am I doing? I, I can't, this is, this is ludicrous. This does not rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. So it says that Paul actually stopped and he relied on the power, which the power is the Holy Spirit present, speaking words of knowledge, prophecy, um, the working of miracles, healing, right? Um, those are works of the Spirit. And and it basically goes on to talk that, you know, the Greeks, Paul, Paul set up a lot of churches in Greece 
because he released the power of the Holy Spirit. So these hardened Greek philosophers, okay, these devout, philosophy is actually a deep religion, okay? It's a, it's a worship of the wisdom of men, okay? And so Paul's saying that he has the ability to plant churches because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul actually demonstrates that he impregnates the hardest hearts with the gift, the, the word of knowledge, the, the, the vision of the Lord that sinks deep into the hearts of, of the Greek philosophers, right? And so this value system is articulated in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, particularly in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you know, Paul says, I wish you all pray in tongues even more that you prophesy. Um, and he goes on to talk about how important prophecy is because prophecy is the extension of the Holy Spirit to impregnate the hearer. Okay, the person hearing um, is literally impregnated by the Spirit of the Lord. It is the seed that is living, that reproduces, because the hearts of men are melted. The hardness of the hearts of men are melted. And the, the supernatural ability to hear the voice of God is revealed and, and established um, and shifts the heart. It actually makes a hardened heart, um, which the Lord calls a heart of stone. He actually, it actually makes this a softened heart a heart of flesh that can hear the voice, okay? That's how important that the gifts are, okay? So, and, and Paul, Paul basically says in 1 Corinthians 14, 20 to 25, he's talking about the gift of tongues um, <clears throat> in the church um, should ultimately lead to those having visions and the ability to prophesy so that when the new people come into the place, um, or the or the church, the body is sent out to in, interact with, you know, the sinner and the religious person, the philosopher, whoever it is, that the voice of the Lord, the living seed, ultimately is a product of prayer, right? So prayer, the intimate prayer in tongues, will produce prophetic words. It will produce. Um, it will produce uh, words of knowledge that penetrate the hardest of hearts. And the seed of Christ, just like it was planted in Mary by the Holy Spirit, it will be planted in the hearts of even the, the unbelieving who come into the church. And the people are not reliant on one guy in a pulpit to be a superman. They're actually the whole body because they pray in the Holy Ghost and they get visions, they get um, words of knowledge and prophecies and the working of miracles because the Lord answers their heart cry, their intimacy in prayer, which is the gift of tongues, to actually um, release seed, living seed, into the unbelieving. And Paul, Paul describes that the unbeliever will fall down. This is verse 23, 24, 25. The, the unbeliever will fall down and they'll cry, they'll, they'll literally decree that surely God is present with you. Amen. And that should be a heart cry in our churches in America, guys. You know, and our, actually all around the world, that should be a representation of Christ present. And we default to Christianity as being something where you're, you spend your whole time talking about explaining Scripture. That's not what Christianity is about. 
If you spend all of your Christian walk trying to understand and become a better learner, try to understand more, guess what? You've been duped into a religious process, okay? Your Christian walk is not about learning more about Scripture, although that is important. Your living walk is about a relationship where the Holy Spirit literally habitates on you, and you know the Holy Spirit so profoundly because of your prayer life, your your gift of, of praying in, the, in tongues, your gift of praying and desperately becoming intimate with the Holy Spirit. It actually produces something that you spend more time in the, the giftings of the Holy Spirit that have the ability to reproduce than you do trying to learn about it. Learning about it's a cool thing, but experiencing it and being the experience for the unbeliever is actually heaven on earth. You're actually walking in the power of the Spirit, right? So you are to, you should be spending more time prophesying, interpreting dreams, um, getting words of knowledge because you're demonstrating your intimacy with the Holy Spirit, okay? That's a, that's a, that is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is with you. It's not how much you know, right? It's not how deep your articulation of the Bible is. It's about knowing the living Christ, okay? Jesus isn't going to give you a 100-point test and you have to get an 80% to pass when you get up to heaven. He's actually going to ask you, do I know you and do you know me? Which is a relational dynamic, face-to-face, hearing the voice of God, him, him hearing your heart cry and you hearing him respond back. And because your relationship is so deep and you know what the Lord is saying, you are the answer to a dead and dying world. Amen. You get the picture. And so to to express what this means, you know, some of the some of the maybe the scriptural uh, things that support what I'm talking about here. If you go to uh, Revelation 19.10, um, it says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Okay, so, so the Lord is actually pointing to exactly what I just described to you, that his testimony um, is the spirit of prophecy. The, the testimony of Christ is not simply saying like, Oh yeah, Jesus was born of a virgin. Um, he died for our sins. Um, he sent the Holy Spirit. Those are all good things, but the testimony of Christ, the, 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 the evidence of you knowing Christ will be seen in, in testimonies of people experiencing God present. Okay, and that, this is what I mean by that. The, the word testimony um, actually is the Latin word testes. It's the Greek word sperma. Um, so you get the picture, right? It's, it's summed up as the power to reproduce spiritually. So a true testimony has sperma. The, a true testimony has testes, right? The, the housing of living seed, okay? You, as you are baptized in the Holy Spirit and you, you commit your life to hearing the voice of the Lord, to a prayer life of tongues and, and being literally undone in the presence of the Lord, wanting and needing his life, his voice, which is the sperma, the, the living seed in you, you become the house that has the ability to reproduce, okay? You literally are the walking testimony 
of Christ, right? Because when you walk places, you hear his voice. You are so in tune in relationship with the Holy Spirit that the gifts of the Spirit, which is all the gifts of the Spirit are, are the are the unction of the Spirit to release the the word, the sperma, the living Christ to a dying world, right? So if you're walking down the street and you come you come to a drug addict and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts to talk to you about the reason why this guy is on the street is because he was abandoned um, and his mother couldn't raise him, so literally got kicked out of the house. And you get this word of knowledge about this guy getting kicked out of the house when, when he was 13. And the guy looks at you and says, how do you know that? How, do, how in the world do you know that? Right? And the next thing you know, the guy's on his knees because he knows that a supernatural revelation came through a person to pinpoint an exact thing that happened in his life. And then as you continue to prophesy, literally these grave clothes, this false image of being abandoned is ripped off of this guy. And this guy, uh, literally his life is transformed, right? That is the testimony of Christ, guys. The testimony of Christ is not a man walking on the street, holding a Bible up. And I know you've all seen this. You, you, you got these these uh, religious zealots standing on a corner um, pointing at cars as they, as they pass by saying, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, repent. Listen, that's, that's a religious zealot, okay? That is not a testimony. A testimony of Christ always includes the mission of Christ, which the mission of Christ is Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to heal the brokenhearted, bring sight to the blind, set the captive free, and to release prison doors, right? To preach the gospel. And that is the gospel. It's the evidence of Holy Spirit present, um, releasing supernatural um, revelation and wisdom upon the world, right? And the Lord says in verse 2 that this is my vengeance, right? He's talking about, he's not angry at the world. He's actually sending people in his vengeance to break the darkness by his sperma, right? By his, his, uh, his, um, his word, which is present upon the people hearing his voice, right? And you then are testifying Christ is present. You don't have to prove Jesus is real. You demonstrate Jesus is real. There's a huge difference in this, guys. And we spend, you know, our churches are, the organized religion basically spends literally 99% of time trying to explain Scripture. And, you know, it's, it, it's good. You know, a lot of it's good stuff. But it doesn't prepare the body to demonstrate the kingdom. The, the kingdom should be demonstrated by the body, not only to the church, but to the world. Everybody in the church should be praying in tongues, prophesying, casting out devils, getting words of knowledge, working miracles. That's the gifts of the Spirit. That's the evidence of the Spirit on you. It's not you working it. It's you in a prayer life with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has free reign to flow through you because you give your life to the Spirit. Okay, when Jesus said, whoever desires to save his life will lose it and whoever loses it for my sake will find it. He wasn't talking about simply coming to an altar and saying yes, although that's a good first step. 
What he's actually talking about is you giving your life to the Holy Spirit the way he gave his life to the Holy Spirit. Because in the three years that Jesus walked on the earth, baptized in the Holy Spirit, he, he fed to 5,000. He fed to 4,000. He, he raised the dead, right? He, he cast demons out, cast legion out of the demoniac. He did all this stuff. And then he, he in, in, at the end of his walk, he says, you're going to do greater works than me because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit upon you as well, right? That's John 14, right? I'm going to send the Holy Spirit upon you and you're going to do greater works. But you have to wrap your mind around the fact that the evidence of your Christianity, of you truly following Christ as you live an impossible life, okay? It's not a predictable thing. It's an actually unpredictable thing. It's impossible, okay? It's impossible to live according to the Spirit without the Spirit, okay? You can memorize all the Scripture you want. You can look and sound religious. But if you don't know the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit lead you to do the supernatural, then guess what? You're not really testifying. You're actually just re, uh, re, um, solidifying or, or digging a deeper hole in your own life, justifying your walk by learning more. Okay. This isn't about learning more. This is about knowing and trusting more. This is about a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit that he gives believers that is so profound that you literally become confident no matter where you walk because the Holy Spirit is with you and he can speak through you at any moment. That's that's what knowing the Holy Spirit, that's what knowing Jesus is, guys. And so this, this concept of expect, expecting in the impossible, you got to wrap your mind around it, all right? Because when, when in, in the story of Mary being impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, the angel came and spoke to Mary and says, you will birth a son, all right? And and Mary has this this uh, conversation um, with, with uh, the Holy Spirit that literally um, there's this, there's this uh, embrace of there's going to be an impossible thing done to you, Mary. Right. And Mary says to the angel, whatever, whatever you say. Right. And we'll get to that deeper here in a second. But, you know, this angel, when he was talking to Mary, he was talking about the miracle of the realm of heaven entering the realm of earth. Okay, the messenger out of heaven came with sperma in his hand. The message was directly from the throne room of heaven, Mary, you are going to be impregnated and carry the Son of God, and you're going to do the impossible, right? And this this revelation um, of of Christ living, um, it's actually, uh, you know, Jesus described in Revelation 19, right? Um, verse 10, we talked about it, for the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy, and then the description of Jesus with eyes of fire and and the the crowns on his head, the robe dipped in blood, his name on his thigh, which is the word of God, right? Jesus, the living Christ, is known as the word. The Bible is not the word, okay? The Bible is scripture. Jesus himself, the living Christ, the most dominant force on earth is the word. And so the question is, do you know the word? Do you know 
the living Christ who speaks, who impregnates the world with the supernatural power, or do you just know about him? Because scripture is knowing about him, knowing, knowing Christ present, the living Christ, um, the word is a distinctly different thing, right? And so as Mary um, is getting a revelation that she grew up as a Jewish girl knowing about Jesus and that there would one day be a Messiah come, no way in her mind did she ever believe that she would be somehow this one chosen to birth, right, the, the Savior of the world. And the angel says to her, uh, don't fear, Mary, you're going to do an impossible thing. And she gets she gets impregnated, right? She, she literally gets impregnated uh, supernaturally. And Mary, as in this interaction with the angel, Mary says these words in Luke 1.37. She says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Okay? What this means, what this, what this phrase means, um, <clears throat> the word, uh, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. That phrase actually, if, if you study it out, it actually it includes the word rhema, right? And if you've listened to my stuff, you know the rhema, the rhema, the direct voice of the Lord, which is the sperma. It is, it is the, 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 the power of the voice speaking that has the ability to impregnate the world, right? People down and broken have the ability to receive um, the vision of the Lord, the, the prophecy of the Lord. And it, just like uh, Paul demonstrated the breaking of the hard heart of the Greek um, and and literally Christ present um, doing work in the Greeks and birthing church in, in Greece um, was a rhema planting of the seed in the hearts of men that shook them to their core and changed everything. It broke the most philosophically hardened people, right? And Mary, Mary is declaring that nothing is impossible. She's saying, if the Lord, if the Lord sent His angel to speak to me, uh, that the Holy Spirit will impregnate me, then I am pregnant. I am going to do this. I am going to birth something that, oh my goodness, I don't even have a natural husband, but the Lord spoke to me, and I'm going to birth a son. And she, she's decreeing the way of the supernatural, guys. She says, when she says that uh, nothing shall be impossible, she's, she's saying that, that if you study that out, it says when the rhema word is received, you will overcome impossible things. Okay? Just as Mary birthed a son simply because she received a voice message, she received a prophecy from an angel and the Holy Spirit settled on her, and made her pregnant with the message, right? She actually had to, re she received it. So she, she had a part in this. She had the ability to reject it or receive it, okay? But because of the presence of the angel was so powerful, and the angel spoke and said, you've been chosen, Mary. You're going to birth the Son of God. Mary, uh, in her heart, believes and says, yes, as the Lord has said, nothing is impossible with God. She received the rhema word, which is she actually um, received the impregnation. Um, she, be, she became pregnant with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And we all know that was the, that was the beginning. That's, that is what um, broke 
um, death in the world as the as as the supernatural power of heaven was poured out. Okay, through Mary, um, because she received the prophecy, she received the word of knowledge. Okay, and she um, embraced the Holy Spirit present upon her life. All right. So you get the picture, right? You got you got to you got to have this picture literally like embedded in your mind and you're like because this picture of Mary being pregnant you may think well heck you know that's just for Mary and the reality is guys that's not just for Mary that's the way every day in prayer should look like for you what am I getting pregnant with today what is the voice of the Lord what is the Holy Spirit going to impregnate me with today right because whatever you get impregnated with an intimacy, you then have the ability to release supernaturally to the world. Amen? You will reproduce. So your prayer life is, is the supernatural source of life. It's not how many times you go to church. It's not where you work in the church. It's not what you do or don't do in the church. It's not, none of that really has anything to do with it. Okay? Your prayer life. Because if you have a powerful prayer life and you are hearing what the voice is saying to the church, you become the most powerful voice anywhere you walk. Okay? It has nothing to do with the guy in the pulpit. It has nothing to do with who's been there the longest. Okay? Who's who's attended for 20 years and never missed a Sunday. Um, those are earthly things. Okay? The body... The, the whole body is supposed to be pregnant. Not just one person, the whole body. Everybody is supposed to be pregnant with Christ, the Word. Right? Ready because the Holy Spirit has led you into a prayer life. You become pregnant every day in your prayer life. You get dreams and visions. And then the gifts of the Spirit release what the dream and the vision is saying to you. Saying to the church. Right? That's how the world gets impregnated. But that's not how 99% of our churches function. They function bringing you in on Sunday, connected to a tithe process, and then they articulate, they spend all their time articulating the Bible. Okay? Articulating the Bible is not... Put it this way. Articulating and learning about the Bible is not positioning yourself to become pregnant with what the Lord is saying right now. Okay? Prayer is the centerpiece. Prayer has to be the centerpiece for the entire body, not just your five intercessors that meet on Thursday night for 90 minutes or lunchtime once a week for 60 minutes. And they call it prayer and think that the church is alive because of one 60-minute session with five people when there's 2,000 people in the church. What if the whole church came together and you spent 30 minutes praying until the Lord literally started answering you and the church service turned into 30 people interpreting the mission of the Lord there tonight and people are getting healed, demons are being cast out of people, right? The sanctuary becomes the intimate place. And so I want to talk to you for a minute about um, the reality of what the Lord actually prophesied, right? Um, a few weeks ago when I was in Muskoka um, and I brought that vision to the church um, about the intent of Christ to plant the tree laden with gifts 
and to um, assign the sword, which uh, which is the ability to impregnate the, the, the church, right? The ability to impregnate the world is the sword, right? The living sword. In, in, in Ephesians um, 6.17, it says, Take above all things the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of the Lord. It is the only offensive weapon in the armor, okay? It, it's equivalent to the only way to reproduce. The only way to overcome darkness is to utilize the sperma, to utilize the ability to prophesy, cast out demons, heal the sick, words of knowledge, the working of miracles, right? And there's a value system that the Lord is restoring in the earth right now, guys. And the, the scripture that the Lord had on the, on the um, um, you know, the, the, the tree and the sword when he came out of the, the uh, if, if you haven't heard that dream from three or four weeks ago that I prophesied over Life Church of Muskoka, you should, you should go back and listen to it and then kick in where we're at here because, you know, in that dream when, when Jesus came out of the ark carrying the tree um, and the sword, they both had uh, Jeremiah 3.16 on it. And so I want to, this the scripture that was before Jeremiah 3.16, obviously Jeremiah 3.15, I want to spend a few minutes on today because Jeremiah 3.15 says, and I will give you spiritual shepherds after my own heart in the final time who will feed you with knowledge and understanding and judgment, right? Okay, so a, so a true shepherd is going to feed the church knowledge. The word knowledge there that we've been studying over the last three or four weeks is the word yada. It actually means the spirit of intimacy, right? So this, so the Lord is saying a true shepherd in the end times will lead the church in intimacy. Okay, what is intimacy? Intimacy is actually the way the Lord impregnates his body, okay? And we talked about the spirit of knowledge being, you know, a centerpiece of, of a prayer life. Because your prayer life, praying in tongues, is how you draw the Lord to, and I don't want you to get weird on this, but as you are in intimacy in prayer, praying in tongues, you are drawing the Lord to impregnate you. Okay, you are drawing the Lord to um, plant visions and dreams in your heart, the sperma of the Lord, which will produce Christ. Okay? It will produce Christ present right now. And you cannot produce Christ present by simply regurgitating a bunch of scripture to people. You release Christ present because you hear the Lord speak now. Okay? When you hear the Lord speak now, you are impregnated and you are releasing the child, so to speak. You are releasing the product, the living Christ, the Son, upon the earth. Okay, and so a true shepherd is going to position his people to be intimate with the Lord. That they would have understanding and judge correctly, right? You, you, if you've listened to my stuff, you know I'm a big judgment guy. Yeah, you better not allow religion to keep you from judging. And all judging, all spiritual judging truly is, is you submit yourself to spiritual prayer. You hear what the Lord is saying. And when you release what the Lord is saying, you literally are releasing light 
to judge the darkness. So when you're prophesying to a person, um, you know, a broken guy or, or, or whatever it is, and you're releasing the word of the Lord, the vision of God upon that person, you are judging the darkness. You are bringing mercy to the person and judging the darkness at the same time with the prophecy, the word of knowledge that the Lord is releasing through you, okay? And so that value system has to be at the core of who you are personally and in the body. If you're if if you have developed a relational dynamic where you value the intimacy of spiritual prayer but your church doesn't, if your church is only praying once a week and nobody in the nobody nobody of the 10 or 15 people in the one hour that is dedicated a week to so-called intercession is not praying in tongues, what the heck is going on? You have to recognize there's a difference in a value system. The value system is important because if the leader doesn't value intimacy, you can never expect the church to go deep in presence. You can never expect the church to go deep in the supernatural. You can never expect miracle signs and wonders to be routinely demonstrated in the sanctuary. Why? Because intimacy is not a value. Okay? If intimacy is a value and the body is coming together and there's time dedicated in let's just say long worship, maybe 45, 60 minutes, maybe even an hour and 20, hour and 30 minutes you're spending in worship and people are getting downloads, they're praying in tongues, you got 300 people praying in the Holy Ghost. Well, guess what? There's going to be people impregnated with the voice of the Lord, right? There's going to be visions, there's going to be um, intimate connection with the Holy Spirit and there's going to be signs, wonders and miracles, Okay. It's not rocket science, guys, but you have to know the way of the Spirit. And, you know, you may say, well, you know, how, how does this happen? I, I You know, I, I want to let you know it's actually a value. It's a value system thing. It's not it's it's not um, that it's not attainable. Once you once you set your heart on the Holy Spirit, this thing will happen very fast. In fact, as an example, I'm working with a church in Tampa um, and there's a pastor uh, that is leading um, this newly developed prophetic school where we are, um, you know, we're trialing the school. And um, part of the school is we have these small breakout groups. And, you know, my wife and I have uh, 12 people in the small breakout group. We're on, I think, this week, session three. Um, and when we walked into the room, you know, nobody prayed in tongues regularly. Um, most people um, who did pray in tongues uh, years ago don't value it, don't understand it, and half the people didn't pray in the Spirit, and the majority of them routinely do not get visions and dreams, okay? So we're now on week three, okay? And in week three, um, the 12 people in the room by the end of the night are all prophesying, okay? They're all praying in tongues, and they're all prophesying, and they're all demonstrating that Jesus present is speaking, okay? And there's people weeping, there's people crying, there's people getting prophecies, there's people having demons uh, driven out of them. And this one lady, we'll call her Maggie, Maggie raised her hand and she's like, I just got a vision. And, and she goes, this is awesome. She goes, I'd never get this stuff, but I want to do it all the time. And so we pray for her, right? We pray for her to receive the Joel chapter 2 promise um, that you will dream dreams and see visions. Um, and lo and behold, she gets this long vision 
for the pastor who is birthing this new prophetic thing. And this is a big deal in this church, guys. This is a 2,000-member church. This is pretty much a zero Holy Spirit present in the sanctuary type of church. You know, you got your good, you know, they, they play some Bethel songs. They play uh, some different things for 30 or 40 minutes. And then, um, you know, you get a you get a pastor, you get a guy articulating well, but you never see the power, right? You never see demons cast out in the middle of the sanctuary. You never see people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit all the time in the middle of the sanctuary. But there's a there's an under underlining thing with some of these leaders that want this to happen, right? So so this back to the story, right? This this lady Maggie, we pray for her. She she wants to have dreams and visions. And so she wakes up the next morning with this dream, okay? And she sends this dream to the pastor who the Lord has assigned to lead this new prophetic school. And and um, the message is kind of funny because uh, the pastor, um, he sends me... He sends me this long dream and he says, I don't think there's nothing to this, but I want to get your take on it. Um, and as soon as as soon as he sends it to me the next day, I said, where'd you get this? And she, he goes, Maggie, Maggie sent it to me. He goes, I said, you realize that she's never done this before. And we prayed for her. And now in a in in one in one night, in a matter of 12 hours, Maggie is now prophesying to you. Um, and so. I, I, as soon as I saw the dream, I'm like, my gosh, this is a profound dream. And very simple, the dream is this. The pastor has a brother, we'll call him Nick, okay? In the dream, Maggie says, your brother Nick died. He had a wife and nine children, okay? And um, the pastor in the dream literally picks everybody up in the school in the van, goes to the um go, goes to the cemetery where the casket is being laid and the pastor lays on the casket and begins to wail kind of like elisha wailed for the boy um who was who had died um and then as elisha was wailing and crying out for the for life to come into the boy um that's the picture right and so Anyway, the pastor says, I don't think there's anything to this. And so I started interpreting the dream for him, man. The Holy Ghost falls on this pastor. I said, this is what this means. This is exactly the situation in your church. I said, the, the, you have given your life as a brother to the church. Okay? Your, Nick is, and, and the, Maggie didn't know this. The Lord actually gave Maggie the actual name of the pastor's brother. Okay, so that's why that's why the pastor sent it to me, because the coincidence. There's no such thing as a coincidence. The Lord specifically chose the pastor's brother named Nick um, to get his attention. That how in the world did Maggie know Nick's my brother? He she didn't. Nick Nick lives two states away. Okay, and so anyway, I'm interpreting this dream, and I said, "You love." Nick represents the, the the ability to reproduce in the church. You've given your life to the church, right? And the church is representative of Nick, his wife, and the nine children. The nine children are the gifts of the Spirit. The nine children are the legacy to reproduce in the church. 
Okay? And I said, Nick's died. Nick, Nick is not present in your church. You are not allowing the gifts of the Spirit to flow freely in, in your body. And therefore, your legacy is in jeopardy. And there's an emotional connection with the Spirit going to happen that's so profound that you no longer let religion keep Nick dead, which is the ability to reproduce the male gifts, right? The, the, the gifts of the Spirit being uh, freely impregnating the body of Christ. I said, you're going to be so emotionally awakened with this call to birth a supernatural church that the, the people you pick up in the van are not only your school, but it's the church itself. And they're going to see you lay on Nick's casket. And Nick is going to be resurrected like Elijah resurrected the boy. And the church in Tampa is going to reproduce. The gifts of the Spirit are going to become a profound um, means of allowing the whole body to be pregnant with Christ present. And the gifts of the Spirit are going to shake Tampa. That was the prophecy that came from Maggie to this pastor that Maggie had never had dreams and visions before that particular night. Amen. And the evidence that, I mean, it only took three sessions with the 12 people we're working with and they're all praying in tongues and now prophesying. <coughs> and guess what? The supernatural power is going to be poured out not only in those 12, but more importantly in a shepherd who now is taking on the Jeremiah 3.15 prophecy that the Lord is awaking intimate shepherds in this hour to release the gifts of the Spirit and make Jesus present a normal thing in the sanctuaries in our churches. Amen. And it all comes through this concept of what is knowledge, right? We've been talking that knowledge is not biblical understanding. The, word, the Lord describes knowledge as intimacy, yada, the, the actual picture of Adam um, getting his wife pregnant, right? And you may say, well, you can't talk about sex in church. Well, listen, you've been, you've been, you've been, if, if you can't absorb that concept, you've been religified, man. I don't even know if that's a word. It's probably not a word, but religiosity is so ugly. Right? It's so non-intimate that people go, oh, you can't talk about that in church. You can't do this. You can't do that. And the reality is Jesus uses a picture of sex to describe knowledge. That should mess with your head, guys. That should absolutely mess with your head. It, church should be as intimate as sex. <laughs> and and you, you may sit, be sitting there gasping right now, right? But that's, that's the picture the Lord uses, okay? Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, I'm just going to start with verse 23. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Okay, now the religious guy will say, submit and do whatever your husband says. And that's not what that means, okay? That is absolutely not what that means. It actually, the word submit there is the word honor. It means to honor your husband, okay, as to the Lord, okay? It's a picture of the church honoring the presence of God, waiting for, for the Holy Spirit to impregnate them, okay? A woman can't get pregnant without her husband, okay? She actually, the only way she can carry child and reproduce is when her husband is intimate with her. And this is a picture of, of a wife honoring 
um, the ability of her husband to impregnate her and valuing the fact that she has the egg that reproduces when she's impregnated by her husband. Okay? All right? And so, verse 23, For the husband is head of the wife, also is Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands and everything. Okay? He's talking about the value of intimacy, guys. He's not talking about forcing a woman to follow 25 rules and do whatever he says. This is a picture of sex. All right? This is a picture of intimacy. Okay? Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. The word word there is the word rhema. It's the same word that when the angel spoke to Mary and said, nothing is impossible. And Mary said, yes, you are right. For with God, nothing is impossible. She actually says, when the Lord speaks, when the Lord plants sperma in you, nothing's impossible. I will birth it. Okay, I will birth it. Okay, and the concept here, guys, what this scripture means spiritually is that the male gift has to be so valued, right? The nine gifts of the spirit, which are a product of a whole body hearing the voice of the Lord. Without the male gift, there's no ability to impregnate the, the, the bride. Okay, the bride must be impregnated by the male gifts. Okay, so when it says husbands love your wives, there's a value system here, guys. You have to there, you have to have shepherds that value intimacy, right? The Jeremiah three fifteen shepherd, I will give you shepherds of intimacy. So in, in the household, um, and in the church, the value of allowing the present voice of God to speak through the gifts of the Spirit has to be a centerpiece of the body. It's not about regurgitating and repeating scripture from a pulpit. That is not intimacy. That's actually one-way communication. Intimacy is the body hearing the voice, the body interacting with each other, and the whole body becomes intimate because people are saying, well, I hear the Lord say this. I hear the Lord say that. I hear the Lord say this is the vision of the Lord. And pretty soon there's people weeping. There's people crying. There's supernatural release of the power of heaven on on to the people and the people run out into the street and they start telling people what the Lord did to them. And not only that, they become the ones who prophesy. Amen. That is the testimony. The testimony of Christ is Christ present. The test Revelation 19.10 says the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy, the sperma, right? I just heard the Lord say this and I I am I am shaking because of it. Amen. And so husbands love your wives, sanctify her and cleanse her with rhema. Okay? He's saying this is the this is the Lord imploring the husband the male gift to work with an expectation of getting the wife pregnant, okay? You have to get the wife pregnant. In order for there to be a legacy, the gifts of the Spirit have to speak and people have to become pregnant with what the Lord is saying. Okay? Not explaining scripture what the Lord what 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 the Bible means. That there's no way that you become pregnant only 
by understanding a Bible. But I will say this, the only way you produce and become something supernatural is when you get a personal vision and dream and prophecy and then the Lord calls you to do it and you say, yes, yes, the Lord can do the impossible. The Lord overcomes the impossible and you become one who demonstrates Christ present, the one who Christ, the rhema word made pregnant. Amen. And so this this scripture in Ephesians 5 um, with the picture of husbands and wives is really about how a church flows in intimacy and how the how the husband loves her, okay? That's what he says. Husbands love, love your wives and the concept of love is connected to flowing in what the Lord is saying. And if you don't know what the Lord is saying, you can't love the bride because all you're doing is sounding like a clanging gong, right? A, a, a symbol, a something that is like clanging your ears, right? You ever sit and listen to a preacher that literally is so boring, you can't, you can't even stay asleep? But I guarantee you this, if you listen to a preacher who got a download from the Holy Ghost in a dream, and that whole church is shaking and crying and weeping because you're impregnating the body, the wife, the church with the Holy Spirit. And this is what the church is going to do. This is where the church is going to go. I'm burning with the Holy Ghost. I'm carrying and releasing the rhema word, the sperma of God. Guess what? It's a picture of intimacy, guys. And I will not, I will not um, be apologetic. I will not shy away from this picture because it is Christ's picture. Okay? Most of our churches are sexless. Most of our churches have no intimacy in the sanctuary. Most of our churches do not have people that are being undone in the Holy Ghost. Okay? This is the picture Christ paints that we are to be so intimacy that there is this picture of a husband and wife producing a baby. Okay? It's a beautiful picture. And if that offends you, um, you know, call me. We'll pray. You'll, we'll, we'll pray for your deliverance. Because what offends you reveals you. Because religion cannot reproduce, guys. You cannot have 20 things on a list of conditions that you achieve. There's no life in conditions. But where there is life is in the sperma, in the testimony of Christ, the spirit of prophecy that impregnates the church. Okay? So the role of the apostle is actually to be the platform by which you create an intimate environment in the church. The apostle in the coming age is going to create an intimate place. It's a place where the sanctuary is a place where the gifts of the Spirit free, freely flow. Where the expectation, maybe there's a guy in a pulpit that day, maybe there isn't. But the body as a whole comes together, prays in the Holy Ghost, and rhema words. The husband, the, the, the male gifts are freely flowing in the body. And the church grows because people are brought to their knees as they know that the Holy Spirit is speaking and impregnating them with life. Amen? That's the power of, of the gifts of the Spirit, guys. And so, I just, I pray for you in your own personal life. I pray that you would have a profound encounter that all the religious lies of powerless, dead religious church would fall off of you. I pray in Jesus' name that this picture of intimacy and this call into daily 
prayer, daily praying in tongues, where the Spirit of God prays through you, drawing um, this, uh, drawing Jesus to speak visions and dreams into your heart so that Christ is present with you. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, for every gift of the Spirit and the value system of the true apostolic anointing to settle on the hearts of the people, that they will not settle um, for dead powerless, one-way communication from a pulpit that cannot impregnate people. Lord, I pray that they will not tolerate it anymore. I pray, Lord, that you will draw people to find um, living rooms um, and sanctuaries where the intimacy of the Lord is so present that the, that the bride uh, becomes pregnant and legacy with children um, is and reproduction is is just it just be, becomes a multiplying factor in their life. Lord, let the value of 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 the uh, Jeremiah three fifteen shepherd, Lord, let it come to fruition now in the name of Jesus. I pray that the spirit of intimacy, the spirit of the true spirit of knowledge, which is intimacy with the Spirit, would would fall upon pastors and apostles and prophets and teachers um, and, and evangelists, Lord, let it fall on them right now in the name of Jesus and let America, let Germany, let Russia, let Malaysia, let Brazil, let every nation of the earth be shaken through intimacy in Jesus' name. Lord, let every person listening to this right now, Lord, if they've never had dreams and visions, do not pray in tongues. Lord, I release the uh, ability to impregnate um, the testimony of Christ upon them, Lord. I, I just release and awaken this call and hunger to pray in the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, Lord, let the grace well up in them right now, Lord, and let them be supernatural in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, it was great talking with you this week. Looking forward to next week. We're going to continue this apostolic DNA, um, this concept of intimacy that the Lord is releasing upon the earth right now. Um, and I look forward uh, to talking with everybody next week. Anybody has testimonies, please message me. Anybody has um, places that they want me to come. Um, we are still seeing supernatural things done in living rooms. We're birthing churches in different states right now um, that all started in an invitation to come into to people's living rooms. Amen. So I encourage you, follow the unction, give me a call, and uh, we will get um, this supernatural power poured out in your home, um, in your region, in your state, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Have a great day, guys. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.